Welcome in. This is a brand new Friday scramble. It's March 18th, 2022. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there, Andy Lack. Andy, my friend, you are on the road, but that is not going to stop you from coming on the scramble. Yeah, I flew into to New York late last night to visit family. I didn't get to watch as much golf yesterday as I normally would, but um this is an interesting tournament so far. A couple surprises to me in terms of the way the course is playing. So I'll have to kind of ask your thoughts on that from somebody who actually got to see it and wasn't just tracking the leaderboard on PGA tour.com. But um, looks like we're in store for a really good weekend, man. Yeah, we are. We're talking about the course. We'll of course talk about the props uh, here very soon because we know they're out there playing right now as they are on these on these Friday scrambles. We are indeed presented by Prize Picks, the code you're looking for, Rick. It's the there's also a link in the description. You can get logged in, get ready to rock and roll because we've got props coming up. I tweeted one out, Gary Woodland, hole one, birdie or better, cash that one. We're already got we already got some winners in the chat, so we're looking forward to that, Andy. But but yeah, let's, let's talk about the course, brother. This is uh 12 under par. Justin Thomas is putting it all together. This is much easier than recent years and kind of what we would have anticipated leading into the week. Yeah, it seems like, um, well, Florida, obviously we know this because of the players. Florida, after what I heard was a very dry January and February has been getting dumped on over the past couple of weeks. And that's the thing that we talk about every week here, Rick, is it's like firm and fast conditions are what make golf courses difficult. Not necessarily length, not even necessarily like narrow fairways or thick rough. It's when golfers are unable to get their high iron shots like we saw at Bay Hill to stop on these greens. And when the greens are soft and when the greens are receptive, then it's going to be happy hunting season for these guys. And you see Guys like Justin Thomas, who's one of the best iron players in the world, when you put Justin in a situation where he can just fire up pins, um, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, basically to a man in their post-round pressers, or not even pressers, they were interviews yesterday. It was like, yeah, it's soft out there. The greens are receptive. It's giving us a lot of opportunities, especially on, you know, we talked all week long, those longer par threes are they don't play as long when you can just kind of fly it there and get it to stop with, with some of these long irons that these guys are able to hit. And then Justin Thomas, who has just been putting on a stripe show for basically a day and a half, almost two full rounds. And Andy, he made no putts on Thursday. He is making everything on Friday and he's got himself uh, the lead as we were, as we are live right now. I saw that. I saw, I was looking at the round two stats and he is just draining everything right now, which, you know, that's always been the question that we've been talking about with, with Thomas lately is JT has been playing really well. He's been playing great for like a year. The issue is that he's reached the point in his career, deservingly so where he gets graded on wins and he just hasn't been winning. Uh, he hasn't won since the players, but he, I think he has like nine top 25 finishes in his last 10 starts. Like he's been playing great. He just hasn't been winning. Let me ask you this question, Rick, because I'm always thinking about this and I always think this is interesting with Rom kind of struggling a little bit. You've got Cam Smith now in the mix. If JT wins this week, is he the master's favorite? 
Ooh, interesting. Um, you know, I think books have been looking for other guys to get down towards the ROM numbers. And with JT's, I mean, remember there was like a four-year stretch where he got better and better and better at the Masters. Then he kind of coughed it up on, on one hole, you know, recently here. Um, probably, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's so much reaction in the few weeks before the Masters that if JT wins this, he would at least be co-favorites with ROM. I agree. And JT is one of those guys that gets a lot of respect um, in the betting market. It's like if, yeah. if Brooks wins this week, I don't think that Brooks is, will be the master's favorite, but a guy like JT, I mean, he's already what, like 14, 15 to one to win the masters. He's probably right behind Rom to begin with. I guess it matters what happens at the match play next week, which should be interesting because we'll get a lot of the, a lot of the top names, but I mean, They'll never let JT slip past twenty ever. I, he he slipped to twenty at the players and won. Yeah, that's it will, we will unlikely unlikely to see that again. I I love the match play so much. I can't start. I can't wait till we start talking about that. But I'm looking at the rest of this leaderboard here, and this is a great leaderboard for guys like us, Andy, because you've got some of the big names in Justin Thomas. You've got our defending champion Sam Burns currently one shot back, uh, and then you also have some of the kind of like fantasy betting darlings out there, right? Like Adam Hadwin is just two shots back. Troy Merritt, who I know was like a, a viable. Uh, value play this week. He's four shots back. This is shaping up to be a fun weekend, but even more fun for guys like us who have like the betting and fantasy side of it. Yeah. And Webb, right? I, I mean, what was your, what was your biggest surprise so far? It's probably Webb, right? I mean, I, I think I said, and um, I was exchanging texts with somebody earlier in the week where it was like, if Webb's healthy, he's 60 to one. He's 60 to one. And just no one knew if he was healthy. There were so many kind of weird reports from, from when he had to withdraw. Um, I guess it was Phoenix. When did, it was a Phoenix that he withdrew before. It was, it was weeks ago. Yeah. He withdrew from Phoenix. This he, before the players, he hadn't played until the Sony open, which is one of Webb's courses. And he looked bad. Right. Which, so there was a lot of like weird concern, but if Webb is back, this is a great spot for him. He's playing well. I like Webb. I'm, I'm good. To, I'm happy to see him back in the mix, but that is probably the biggest surprise. Yeah. And he had the right side of the draw at the players and looked really bad. Yeah. Um. So I would say Webb's probably my biggest surprise. Can't say that I'm super surprised to see Burns up there again. I just think, I think this is clearly a really good golf course for him. Something about these, I was looking at the, like the, all the overseeded Bermuda greens, all of the greens that we have, like Phoenix is like this PGA West is like this. Uh, TBC Sawgrass is like this. Whenever you have this dormant Bermuda kind of overseeded, um, Burns is like the best putter in the world. Um, it, he's unbelievable. So I, not a huge surprise to see Burns up there. My guy, Tommy is playing well. Um, yeah. I, 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 I almost picked him for one and done. And Xander's kind of Xander's kind of hanging around up there too. I'm very interested to see between Brooks, Hovland, and DJ. Who do you think's the most likely to shoot like a 65 of that group? I am quite bullish on Dustin Johnson, not just because I've yeah <laughs> one and done, and I've got lots of uh, he hit the ball hit. great, Rick. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. And he lost a stroke with the putter, and he's a, obviously a really good putter. I, I just, I think there's untapped ceiling for Dustin Johnson um, here over the next three rounds. Yeah, I actually will. I'll talk about him a little bit more in our prize pick segment. But 
Um, he actually, what's been interesting about DJ is, you know, his putter has been, he's been really, his putter's really been carrying him. But then this week, he gained over three strokes on approach. So that's another guy, Rick. Like, I, if DJ wins, is he 12 to one at the Masters? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, if, if it, name wins between now and the masters they are going to be sliced would would that would you consider that okay so like if you want if you knew you wanted to bet dj for the masters or jt for the masters or even like if rory wins the match play or something like that should you fire maybe half of what you were wanting to 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 fire now just in case that number gets slashed or not worth the squeeze uh you're, I think you're playing a bit of a guessing game. I think one thing that people really underestimate is that it may not be the guy that you want, but I'm telling you right now, by Tuesday or Wednesday of Masters Week, there is going to be a very elite player at a number that you never thought that you would see him at. Because right now they put these odds out for the early birds for the guys that can't help themselves and can't contain themselves. And yes, if Dustin Johnson wins this week and you think Dustin Johnson is going to win the masters. You should bet him now, I guess, because his odds will be lower, but never underestimate the fact Rick that they have to drop somebody once they start taking action, once the odds mature. And it always, we started to see it at the players where guys really started to slide into Xander was like uh, Xander closed at like 33 to one to win the players at some spots, right? So never underestimate how one of these elite players are going to slide. It's just, you're not sure who it's necessarily going to be, but I, I kind of like waiting wreck. What about you? Uh, either waiting or just bet that guy to win now. Right. So at least you get that side of it, right? If you're really worried about getting, getting sliced, just uh, go ahead and, and, and bet them to win. Like whatever started is beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that that's that's the thing is it's like if it's if dj's your guy um but also that that's what's so tricky because dj could dj could shoot even par today and finish t44 and then maybe maybe rom wins the match play and then dj gets out in the group stage and then dj's 24 to 1 that's that's what i always worry about yeah and it's and it's and it's certainly possible we're going to keep an eye on it but we are going to quickly uh, we're going to hit the props here because we've got guys out on the golf course. We want to give you as much time to get these in as you can. So again, Rick is the code. Make sure you're logged in. Uh, make sure you're ready to fire these up because we've got revenge on our minds. We'll talk about that on the other side. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. All right, Andy, let's prop it like it like it's hot. This is your prize picks props uh, segment here. We were two and two in round one. I tweeted this out. Felt like oh and four 
with the run that we've been on. When, when we go two and two, it was like, oh man, that stinks. But we are we are still in the midst of a twenty-five and four run. Yeah, just a bit of a heat check there. Um, it was it was my fault, right? I had Keegan. Keegan didn't get there. We both lost one. We both okay. We, we both went one and one. Our okay. Greens and regulation uh, prop, which honestly. You know, that is uh, not to make excuses, but the these very soft greens changed that big time. And maybe we should have been more aware. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. That I thought for some reason, I thought I went 0-2, but then I realized my other one was Norin, right? And and Norin, Norin got it done for us. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll rebound this week. I noticed, Rick, did you see, because I saw you tweeting out yesterday, hole one props. So I was going this morning to to do whole one stuff and they took it away. It was available. It was available until recently. So there's been a lot of changes on the PGA board even in the last hour. So even the numbers that we have in the outline, um, I'm hoping they're still there. I'll, I can pull up the website here in a second. But yeah, so whole one, they got smashed on this morning. So I don't see any more whole one stuff. It's just... I think it's just you've really got to be quick with these, you know, if or or be decisive with these. Uh, the the edge that we're getting, uh, you know, waiting historically, that's been awesome. I'm not sure we're gonna have as much of of that time in the future, which is smart because we're absolutely smoking these guys. So why did so they just if if they get really worried about something, they just take it away. Why not just move the line so crazy in the other direction? to get action on the other side. I That's interesting that too, but like the whole, the single hole stuff, you can't really move the number off of four and a half. It's a four. You're Great not point. Get action and, yeah. and you're going to push so many of it. You move it to five. You're not going to get any action or you're going to put, it's just like they, they can't move the single hole lines is my opinion. I've not talked to them about this, but my opinion is they can't move them off of four and a half. So their only option is to less uh, choose different golfers, uh, mm -hmm worse golfers essentially to, to kind of make those lines a little bit closer to 50, 50 or remove them. So I, I get it. I think we just got to be quick. Okay. That's a really good point about the single hole props. Their hands are kind of tied with the line movement. Um, are, are the bets going to be honored though? Are your oh, whole no, line everything's honored for sure. Okay. Like, All if right. you get it in, it's honored. I, I catch the, uh, a woodland one early. like, no, it, it, it's all being honored. It's just, they might, they might, remove it or or opt to not offer as many players or different players yeah i saw that woodland one and i was that's what i wanted that yeah i wanted that badly i wanted that whole one because i was digging into the par fives I'll, I'll just i'll start us off with uh with hole 11 so 11's another par five wreck and i went um dustin johnson who we've already talked about a little bit today under four and a half strokes hole 11 so as I already mentioned, DJ was fifth in approach in round one. He gained over 3.1 strokes on approach. He's 106th in putting, right? And I looked at how DJ played hole 11 in round one. He made like a really bad par. I mean, he played that hole about as poorly as he could, and he still missed a seven-footer for birdie. I just think the way that DJ is hitting it right now, he's going to have tons of opportunities and just absolutely dominate these par fives. So I feel pretty comfortable rolling with DJ under 4.5 on hole 11.
Yeah, I I love this. The those those single hole ones are are volatile in nature, but there are like even the the Gary Woodland one that I that I tweeted out. Like the guys played it under. 13 out of the 17 times he's seen it like there are just like really good setups for these guys so we're going dj under four and a half strokes on hole 11 speaking of not getting a lot out of their rounds i'm gonna go with bubble watson i'm going right back to the well bubble watson under 71 i watched every single shot he hit in route to a 68 on thursday and he got nothing out of that round andy i think there's a lot of wiggle room there he lost strokes on approach which outside of the kind of the really nasty condition or or whatever happened at the players championship he's been really good on approach and i'm not even sure like okay if this gets up to 10 or 15 mile an hour wins that might help bubba bubba likes something right he likes something to hold his ball up against he loves the tree line stuff right because he can work his ball off of the visuals i think this is a really good bubba setup yeah and he's he's been great here and i I agree with that too i think the course playing softer and being more of a jt target golf golf course hurts Bubba a little bit. I think Bubba is a little bit better on when it's a little bit firmer, like a Riviera, you know, type place where you, you have to have that element of creativity and it's not just target golf fire at the pins and the forecast. I mean, it's still supposed to be windy this afternoon. I mean, I'm, I'm do I'm hesitant to say that it's going to play hard based on the scores that we've already seen, but I'm pretty confident feeling that it will be harder with more wind. So I love that play on Bubba. Uh, the chat already letting me know that it's down to 70, which I'll tell you what, I'll go bet it again with you. If we, if we, if we lose, we lose together. I'll put it in at 70. And then Andy, uh, you and I have gone with the same golfer here, but two different props. So we're going to have to talk about strategy in just one second, but it's Abraham answer. Which saw, uh, which prop would you like for Abe? Okay. So I, I I'm with you on the, I'm doing the same thing with looking at golfers that I feel like played a lot better than their score would suggest and answer. I have him at, under 70 right so he gained two strokes ball striking in round one lost two around the green he actually was fine putting i mean not great but he just he could not chip at all and to me i i feel like that's probably a bit of an anomaly with him and 70 you know i, I wanted 70.5 rick I'll be honest with you. I wanted 70.5. I thought I'd maybe be able to get 70 or 71, but you know, he did not play well here at all yesterday. Like he got nothing out of that round and he shot 70. So I feel pretty comfortable uh, with the premise that answer who's historically a very good putter has never finished worse than 16th on this course in two appearances can hopefully turn the putter around and shoot a 69, which is only two under. It's only two under. I'm I'm with you on this, and I'm looking at prize picks right now. He is still at seventy, so that yeah. that's still live right now. I I'm with you here because uh, I'm pro Abe answer. So I have in the outline Abe answer over three and a half. It is now four. I'm still gonna roll with it <laughs> because. Uh, we've got, which is crazy because 45 minutes ago, it was three and a half, but we're at four right now. And I'm with you, dude. I mean, this is a guy who made three birdies in round one. He only took advantage of one par five. He only had one par five birdie. He was horrendous around the green. He didn't really putt all that well. I just think that that was, um, it's not a floor round for Abe answer, but it's certainly closer to his floor than his ceiling. So I think there's a lot of birdies to be made out there. And, and we are both with an over and an under 
both on a pretty good round for Abe answer here. Do you think the fact that some of these afternoon guys that were one or two or three or even four under par, do you think the fact that now teeing off and seeing JT at 12 under uh, is going to affect their mindset or their strategy for the day? Like I can't imagine someone yesterday, Rick, when I got on the plane and I saw some of my golfers at one under par, I was like, all right, we're in business here. And then when I got off the plane, they were T69, right? So do you think the fact that some of these guys that maybe thought they shot a decent round yesterday waking up to JT uh, at 12 under par, do you think that changes their strategy at all or frees them up or anything like that? I think it gives that it, it provides them an opportunity to be freed up. The guys who want to take the opportunity to just go out there and fire at pins, they now have an excuse. And the other guys who are like, well, I'll worry about that tomorrow. Let me get through the cut. Let me position myself. There's still a lot of golf left. I think it's kind of a grab bag. If you want to look at, at, at Justin Thomas as the pace setter, as the pace car, and you want to try to track him down, that option is available to you. So I, I do think we'll see some guys who will take on a higher risk, higher reward approach. Yeah. And the issue is like, we talk about what's the real lead sometimes. And it's like, well, JT's the real lead. Like it's this isn't, you know, it's not Scott Stallings, you know, he who's right there too. But if it was just Scott Stallings doing this and Scott Stallings was 12, 13 under par, you can make an argument, okay, the real lead is wherever Burns is at or wherever Webb's at. But when the best player in the field or a top three player in the field goes out and does that. I think that has to change the way that you look at and process the entire leaderboard. Um, I'm interested to see, usually as the week goes on, Rick, um, courses do tend to firm up a little bit just based on the foot traffic that they get, um, especially yeah. if you know the super superintendent decides not to water it as well. So I'm, I'm curious to see how, how this plays kind of over the weekend. Yeah, so am I. Uh, Justin Thomas, as we are live right now, is pulling his putter head back on a 12-footer for bogey. And ooh. he, oh my God, he ran it four feet by. So he's going to drop at least two here to 10. Oh, wow. And he's got three and a half or four feet left for double. So we'll keep a close eye on that. But uh, just to recap, and these are the adjusted numbers. Abe answer under 70. Abe answer over for birdies. Dustin Johnson under four and a half strokes for hole 11. And Bubba Watson under 70. That's our official scramble card for right now. And Andy, notice that there's two Abraham answers on there. So sometimes you'll get that notification from prize picks that, hey, you can't put two guys in the same entry, which I think is a really good time to talk about strategy here. So usually the way that I do this when we have our four picks is I'll obviously put one in as a power play, but Me then too. I'll split these up to, okay, you know, these two with another prop that we don't even talk about that I might like, or these three with another prop or this one with another, I, I kind of build like a little bit of a core and rotate them through so that even on a day you go three and one, there are still a lot of winners there just because you didn't win them all. Yeah, that's what I like the best about prize picks is you can be, I mean, I play prize picks very aggressively because I firmly believe that this is the strongest edge that I have in any market right now. Uh, st a stronger edge that I have in DraftKings, a stronger edge than I have in, in uh, the betting, the regular betting market. So I'm going to play aggressively, but you don't have to do that, right? Like, 
I still think even if prize picks lines gets a little sharper, which I would imagine at some point they do over the course of the next couple of months, like you can still put yourself in a situation where you're not so reliant on kind of that parlay aspect. Right. Um, and I've kind of fiddled around with both. So that's, that's probably my favorite thing about the site is you can basically pick varying degrees of how aggressive that you want to be. Yes. And the other thing, so there are a lot of new people getting into prize picks right now. So I'm getting a lot of questions. The the common question is that people don't realize, Handy, that they can go even cross category, right? So you don't, if you have one guy for strokes, you don't have to have another guy for strokes. You can have somebody for birdies or fairways or cross sport. You can literally find any edge that you want. You are not tied to just that category, which is a question I get a lot. How's your bracket doing, by the way? Do they have March Madness? My bracket is, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of brackets that have been busted when a, when a 15 beats a two, and depending on how far you have Kentucky going. But um, I, I have only one direction to go from, from here, Andy, and it's up because I am at the bottom, my friend. Yes, and they do have, they do have, uh, they do have props for, for NCAA basketball. Yeah, I just... I used to get so into March Madness, Rick, and then the fact that we had this Monday players finish um, and I had two days to do all of the stuff that I usually do in three days in terms of all of my articles and podcasts and stuff for the Valspar, I just, I didn't really have the time to research it the way that I wanted to, but um, I got to watch a lot of it when I got home last night and like... There's nothing better than waking up and you just have games on from 9 a.m. to midnight. It's it's the best. Yeah, Eli knows. He says, I've been taking the CBB, college basketball promos, with golf plays. That's right. They're also doing, um, I think they're calling it prop madness, some some promos that are out there as well. So the code you're looking for is Rick. It is a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. The link is in the description. Join us on this foray into winning as much money as possible. Uh, okay, Andy, I want to talk uh, a little bit about the live odds that have just flipped because Justin Thomas made a double. I want to talk about our one and done. I want to have a little bit of fun, but we're going to do that after a quick break. If you're not playing Daily Fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing Daily Fantasy. They offer nothing but props, and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over-under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf-specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props that's right what score will a golfer make on a specific hole i have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries and now prize picks is offering a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 just use the code rick at sign up or click the link in the description that's code rick good luck Andy, five minutes ago, Justin Thomas was about even money to win the Valspar Championship, a double bogey at number seven, and now he is three to one, and he is currently one shot off the lead held by Scott Stallings and Adam Hadwin. Very little respect from Caesars on Scott Stallings. He's 16 to one. Adam Hadwin, a lot more respect, five and a half to one, which is also the same odds as Sam Burns, who is one shot off the lead. That's five and a half to one number. So uh, we can talk through this live leaderboard, or excuse me, the live odds a little bit here, but I, I, 
is there is there a case to be made to waiting betting now what do you think about these odds um i do think that the afternoon will play a little bit harder again i'm hesitant to say how much harder um because this course has really surprised me with how easy it's played but i think like what's fleetwood at he is currently t6 which is eight under which is three off the lead odds wise Oh, my apologies. He is yeah, 25 to one. Yeah. I mean, I got him at, I bet him at 66 to one pre-tournament. So, but I like the position that some of these guys, like I like the position that Webb and Burns and Hadwin for that matter and Fleetwood are in, right? Because I do think that it's going to play a little bit harder as the afternoon goes on. And, and say even Brooks or DJ shoots four under, which is a good round they're still going to just be at the point that Burns and Webb and Fleetwood are in. Um, and you're taking a little bit of a chance there. I don't know if we're going to see, like, do you think we're going to see like a 64 from somebody in the afternoon? Good question. Um, probably not because yeah. we're not really seeing, I, I mean, we're not even seeing that now that would be the round of the uh, tie, the round of the week. I I would guess no, we don't see a sixty-four. I, I I think I think the wave that's out there right now, I think the winner probably comes from that wave. And I guess the you could make an argument that this is probably if you're really high on JT, this is probably the best time to bet JT coming off a double bogey. No, oh for sure, yeah, because by he he might he might be in the lead uh, again. What did Hadwin just? Oh, I had this sorted weird. I thought Hadwin just made a quad. He did not. He did not. I had it. I had it sorted by round. Yeah. He might be still in the lead by the time this thing, this round's over or close enough to it. And he's still the biggest dog. You should definitely, I mean, you got basically more than twice, uh, the odds if, it, because of one double bogey that he made, it's the worst hole he's played all week. It's that's like the best buy low spot. What's Xander at? Yeah, he is at, uh, 33 to one, you know, that's not bad because Xander has, he's got a 12 footer for birdie on six and then seven is a birdie hole. Eight is really hard and nine is okay. So if Xander, he's got a 12, he's at six. Yeah. Xander's not bad at 33 to one. Cause I always, this is, this may be silly, but I always like, I don't love betting guys live at at like way worse numbers than you could have gotten them pre-tournament. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Xander now at 33 with a birdie putt to get to seven um, and another birdie hole coming in. It's not bad. Yeah. If he gets within three of the lead with 36 to go, like, yeah, let, let's go fire it up. See what See what happens. Okay, uh, real quick on our one and done selections for this week. So we've got uh, DJ for myself. That's four under. We've talked about that. Played well. Stripe show has not teed off yet. You're with Victor Hovland, who is two under par and will also tee off this afternoon. I feel like I've been for the last couple of weeks on the Friday scramble. I've liked my position. It has not always shook out well for me, but I'm I'm at least running out front for now. Yeah, I started to have like we so we did the scramble so early on Tuesday morning when the players kind of finished obviously on Monday night. So, I didn't have that extra day in between to kind of 
synthesize and process my thoughts. I worried that I burned Victor too early. I mean, I just like, I think about he lost, he lost over a stroke around the green again on Thursday. Didn't he? Um, but I don't know. He, he's been, he's been playing a lot of golf. I still think that, um, he has a very good round in him. And what we talked about with Victor is, you know, his floor is so inherently high right now that he can finish top 10 in tournaments, losing four, five, six strokes putting and around the green. I'm just, if I get like a T 27 out of Victor, like I'm not happy because I think there's a chance he wins two or three more times this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it'll be interesting. I like that. We've got guys from kind of the same wave and they're going to be playing at the same time. Um, not that I, I expect a huge, wave differential this week, but I just, I don't know. I just, I just like that. Um, okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have some quick fun in games. We've got to talk about, uh, I guess the not fun part, the Saudi stuff, but then we're also going to put together a Frankenstein golfer. But first we're going to take about, uh, 45 seconds and we'll see you on the other side. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. RickRunGood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel. Currently 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it, and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. All right, Angie, I think we can be pretty quick here. The guys are out on the golf course. I want to go watch it. Uh, there's college basketball on. I know others want to go watch it. You're in New York. I'm leaving for California. I think we could be pretty pretty quick here. But the, the Saudis, which are now going by Live Golf Invitational, has announced eight events for their 2022 schedule. They are starting in June. They are rolling through October. They are putting up massive prize purses for every single one of these. And we still have zero player commitments. Do we care? I don't care until I see a player. Did you hear... Um which we still haven't gotten. Did you hear by any chance? I listened to this on the plane. Did you hear Greg Norman's interview that he did? I think with golf subpar, I heard snippets of it. I did not listen to the whole thing. Yeah. I, you, I, you'll enjoy it. I think it's worth listening to, but it's the, you know, he's making a lot of empty promises. He keeps talking about, I have, you know, all these guys that are talking to me that want to do this. And, um, I'm just waiting until we hear a name, Rick. That's kind of where I stand on this. I don't, after the Phil thing happened, I never thought that it was dead, right? It's just too much money for yeah. us to call it dead. But until we get an actual player that commits to this, um, it doesn't really mean anything to me. I mean, I was, the golf courses, did you see all the golf courses that they chose? Yes. Centuron, uh, uh, Pumpkin Ridge, Trump National, the International, Rich Harvest Farm, Stonehill Golf Club, Royal Greens Golf Club, and uh, a TBD team championship. Yeah, they're just like flashy, substanceless golf courses that I don't find to be super, super interesting by any means. But, you know, I'm just going to wait to see. I'm just going to wait to see a player say something, right? Like, 
in that in that interview, Rick, Norman kept saying, like, he kept calling it a startup. Like, this is a startup. This is a startup. This is this is a startup, right? And it's like, all right, like let's just let's see what happens. Um, it's a lot of money. It is a lot of money, and I think we can never underestimate that. But I think to a very roundabout way of answering your question, Rick, I will start caring once I hear the names that are going to do this. I'm caring less and less and less. I know. Listen, okay. So I, I think there's a real thing. You're you're dead on about the money. That's obviously the driving factor because we just had the largest purse in golf history, twenty million dollars at the Players Championship, and for these eight events, the purse for each one is twenty five million dollars. So you're gonna get guys that go and take this money. And from my understanding, uh, that is guaranteed to be paid out. So if they only get like twenty five guys for one of these, they're gonna play. The winner's gonna get like. Six Six million bucks or something outrageous, but um, I I don't care. I'm 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 caring less and less. The other thing is, uh, and I floated this idea on the first cut. I I believe they will play these eight events, and we will probably not hear about this again. I I think they have to they have to do these because they said they were going to do it, and they had all this momentum, and then Phil spiked the whole thing. So they've got to run these eight events, but if they run these eight events and their best player is whoever you want to call it who doesn't move the needle, and they give out a lot of money, and everyone still looks at them as the murderous regime of Saudi Arabia, are they going to pump another 200 or $300 million into it next year? Especially when there's a million questions of, Who's going to put it on television? What are the sponsors going to do? Like, if 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 it really is a bottomless pit, and they're willing to put a billion dollars into this, we'll see them next year. But I, I don't know, man. This has just lost all of its momentum, and I don't know how they run this back. That that was the question that Norman couldn't really answer when they asked him, "How do you how do you categorize this as success?" Right? If in five years from now top 10 players aren't doing this. Is that a success? And he was like, well, you know, time, time will tell. We'll see. But I, I can't imagine. I mean, if, if Jason Kokrak is your headliner, um, I just, I don't, I don't see how anyone cares. And I don't see what TV network says. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that because the money is so big too with what they're probably offering them, but the best players having the best players matters, right? Like I don't, I would, I'm telling you right now, I would rather watch Rory McIlroy and John Rahm and Justin Thomas compete in a match for $1. than I would watch, you know, Martin Laird and, you know, Jason Kokrak and, and Adam Hadwin compete for 25 million. Right. So it's just like the money is crazy for the players. Um, right. But in terms of creating interest in terms of like, you know, the viewers, the public, the fan and creating the best product out there, you have to have players that people care about. You have to. Yeah, for sure. So I imagine if they're starting in June, I guess we're going to find out about players soon. We have to. They've got to start, you know, selling this and marketing this and all that good stuff. So we'll we'll find out. But until then, 
we'll move on. One thing that I always like to do, Andy, is uh, I'm a big team no putt guy. So when I see a guy who is just striping it like a Keegan Bradley or a Luke List, and then I see what Cam Smith does at the Players' Championship, I'm like, man, don't you just wish Cam Smith could just putt for Luke List or just like that would be the greatest player in the world. So I'm I'm always thinking about this this Frankenstein golfer idea. So I've broken this up into the four strokes gain categories. You pick one golfer off the tee, one golfer on approach, one golfer around the green, one golfer with the putter. That becomes one Frankenstein golfer, the best golfer that we can make. Okay, are we collaborating or each making our own? Uh oh. We can collaborate. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So off the tee. Yeah. Off the tee. Um, my first thought is Bryson. It might be Rom though. Okay. My the st- like the statistical. I-, I think you'd go with Bryson statistically. Do we start to worry about if our Frankenstein is injury prone? Uh, that's a great point. You know. <sighs> That's the tough thing with Bryson, right? Is that like Bryson, I'm trying not to be too much of a prisoner of the moment with Bryson. And remember the fact that when Bryson is driving the ball well, his driver, I guess you could throw Morikawa's irons in there. It is a bigger weapon than any other player possesses essentially in any other category on the PGA Tour. I mean, like watching what he did to Wingfoot, I still think that was one of the most underrated performances I've I've seen in golf in the last decade, right? So I'm trying not to be too much of a prisoner of the moment and remember that Bryson's ceiling is the best. That's kind of the other question that we have to ask. Are we looking for ceiling or are we looking for consistency? Because if we're looking for consistency for a player who's off the tee game is going to always be plus three or four and always have you in a position where you're in the mix, I think the answer's wrong. But if we're looking for the highest ceiling on a given week, I think it's still probably Bryson, right? Yeah. So the candidates are, I think, are Bryson, Rom, Rory McElroy. If you want to throw Victor into the conversation, fine. I'm I'm probably with you on Rom. So so to put this into perspective, last year Bryson gained 1.1 stroke per round off the tee. 1.1. John Rom, much smaller sample size. This season is at 1.3. And he does it in a way that I believe is like, he's got all the shot shapes, you know, he's got the, he's got the windows, you know, Bryson is gaining strokes. He's doing it with distance. I'm not sure he's got all the shots trajectory wise that John Rob does. So if we're talking about one tournament at winged foot, maybe it's Bryson. If we're talking about 25 over the course of a season, I think it's Rob. Yeah. 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 Rob, I was just looking um, he gained like seven off the tee at the players and lost six on a pro. What Rom has been doing off the tee this season, you're right. It's it's eclipsed what even Bryson was doing last year. So okay, so we had we have to make a decision because I'm sure this is going to this is going to come in to play on some of the other categories. Are we looking for one ceiling week or are we looking for this guy is going to have the best ceiling? I mean the best season. I, I think we go to battle for a season. I, I think we say, okay. you know, because that, that says, um, you know, you're going to see a bunch of different types of courses. You're going to see a bunch of different types of conditions. I think the the perfect Frankenstein golfer is more well-rounded over the course of a season. I think you got to go Rom then. I think it's Rom as well. All right. So we've got John Rom hitting our tee shots. We now need 
an iron player. We need an approach player. Let me throw out a couple of candidates here for you. Uh, I'm just looking at the, the 2022 strokes gained approach numbers. You could do like Russell Henley, who leads the field or leads the tour in strokes gained approach, but probably some sexier names right behind like Will Zalatoris and Victor Hovland. Obviously, uh, Hideki Matsuyama and Colin Morikawa come to mind. I'm going Morikawa. I feel pretty confident in that. You have, do you, are, are you not? Morikawa is like the best iron player since Tiger Woods. I, yes, he has not been as good statistically recently, but there's a couple of outliers in there. I, I will definitely get to Morikawa. I was just not as positive as you were. Oh, okay. I, well, I was going to say, you know, JT would be number two for me. I don't want to be too much of a prisoner of the moment for what JT is doing right at this second. And still remember that when Colin is on, Colin has been better than JT over the last year and a half or so. Yeah. Um, I think it's Colin. I think when we're talking iron play, you got to give Colin the belt right now. I love the fact that JT has all the dead hand wedge shots. He's got, I mean, yeah. he's just everything. It's, it's really fascinating to watch. I, I have that same like nine windows uh, concept when I think of, of Justin Thomas on approach that I do when I think of John Rahm off the tee, but I, I I'm with you. If, if you give me 25 tournaments worth of approach shots, that's a lot of approach shots. And I, I still agree that, um, it's it's Colin Morikawa. I'll give you an underrated guy. You know who'd be in my like top seven of this is Hoagie. He is a fl- <laughs> he is a straight flusher. Seriously, he is a straight flusher. And the reason why I think I was really high on him, you know, before Pebble Beach, and I kept saying this guy's not going to go away, is like from 150 yards in, Hoagie is like the best in the world, right? So Hoagie is a we could do a a Frankenstein golfer one time of like jabronis where yeah. it's like, we have Taylor Pret- Pendrith off the tee. I right. mean, Hoagie, I don't think is a jabroni anymore, but um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun angles we can. Yeah. There, there's like the, um, the one hit wonders, the guys that are elite in one category and yeah. are horrible <laughs> everywhere else. Like those are the, those are the jabronis that we'd be, that we'd be looking for. All right, let's move around the green. You know, the recency bias talks uh, throws cam smith certainly towards the top of this range but i mean I-, I need a guy around the greens who can pull off all the shots you know you got to be able to go high you got to be able to go low you've got to be able to play bunkers well like i need uh this more than probably the other categories i need someone super super well-rounded recency buys be damn it's cam smith I can't, I cannot, it has to be right. It's like I I talked about, I try and think about it this way, Rick, in an up and down contest for $10, every player on the PGA tour is Cam Smith winning that right now. And Reed is up there and Spieth is up there, but it's Cam Smith. Cam Smith has the best short game in the world right now. I, okay. So it's funny because when you look at the stats, you see guys like Kevin Na, but around the green gets gets wonky because Na misses so many greens. So he has more opportunities to pile up around the green. So you got to kind of factor that in as well. You know, speed, the speed magic, I love. I, I love every single shot. If Morikawa ever puts us in trouble, speed can extract us from that. But what I like about Smith is the demeanor. 
right? He's just ne- he's just never in trouble. And he is just going to knock you to a foot. I mean, he's going to put so little pressure on our putter that like it's it's hard to imagine how this how this guy, this Frankenstein ever makes ever makes worse than Birdie. Yeah, on on uh on 18 at the players when he had oh. 60 yards to get up and down. I didn't I didn't even like I didn't even consider the possibility that he would get up and down, which that basically just gives you your answer right there. And I would have had worries about Spieth in that spot because I would have been like, he is in his brain right now for 3.6 million bucks in a player's championship from 58 yards or whatever Cam Smith was. He is in his brain. I I, I agree with you. So we are at Rom hitting our tee shots. Morikawa hitting our approaches. If we ever miss a green, Cam Smith is going to take advantage of us. Now we just need a guy to roll the rock and uh, we're going to find the best one, but you and I could putt on this team and probably, and probably be a pretty good Frankenstein. I, honestly, I almost want, I almost, I almost, my first initial thought was Cam again. I thought about I, that. I think we should, we should differentiate. Right. But my, I, I was trying to think like, okay, an eight footer to win a tournament, who do you trust the most right now? And God, it doesn't even ever look like Cam Smith's putts aren't going into the center of the cup or into the side of the cup, right? Everything is dead center. Um, yes. If we made this like a short game category, it, it would, it would still be Cam Smith. I agree with you, but yeah, I've got, so I have a guy in mind, but what you just said about Cam Smith worries me about this guy. So you just said, you know, 10 feet for the win. Who do you trust? Like, like I think the answer objectively is Louie. But when you but when you talk about who's going to make a 10-footer to win a golf tournament, I feel I feel less confident that it's Louie. Yeah, you know, Louie had an unbelievable putting season last year. Unbelievable putting season. And it has regressed a little bit this year. Um yeah, Louis interesting. Louis is he has a smooth. You know, I'll give you a little bit of a historical answer. The historical answer for me would have been uh, Fowler. Ricky was oh such a good putter, and then to, like from like two thousand, I would say two thousand eighteen to two thousand twenty, the answer was maybe Fowler, and from two thousand sixteen to two thousand eighteen, the answer was Jason Day. Mm. Yeah, th- those strokes were so pure, and everything they hit went to the bottom of the cup. Yeah. So right now it's like, I mean, we could make up for our omission of read and speed short game by putting one of those guys here. This is the category where I think you go, like you can go most jabroni, right? Like why, hey, we can go Denny McCarthy. Why wouldn't we just pick Denny McCarthy? Who's, you know, for two years led strokes gain putting and he's inside, you know, top 15 this time around. Like, that would be probably the right like Scotty Scheffler is a great putter. Yeah. Could we like this one's actually really hard. Yeah, DJ's been DJ's been out of his mind recently, too. I think it's um yeah, I guess we'll go Denny. I don't know. I, I it's tough because it's like again, like statistically Denny, but then the way that I was initially conceptualizing right. it was yeah. like who do you need? to make this putt? Who do you want to make this putt? Like, who do you want having that on the line for you? And that's why I thought of Cam Smith first. 
Yeah. Denny has been inside the top 25 of strokes gained putting five consecutive years and two of them he led. So I, I, I mean, he is, he's statistically the guy. Do we trust him in the big spot or would you want like, I mean, you could go kiss. He's never been in a big spot, big spot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who do you, okay. So who do you trust to make one? Is it, is it Kisner? Is it Scotty Scheffler? Is it can't, do we just go camp? Can't lay, can't lay in a spot like yeah, that. Yeah. Can't lay. And, and you want to talk about the ceiling thing too. Can't lay had the best putting performance of the last decade, right? At the BMW championship. He gained like 15 strokes putting, right? Maybe it's can't lay. Yeah. Can't lay good. I'm cool with can't lay. Rom Morikawa Smith Cantlay is a pretty, pretty sick, yeah. pretty sick little Frankenstein. Last question um, in the chat: Which clutch gene would you want for this Frankenstein? How far back can we go? Can I steal tigers? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm trying to think about because you can you can try and measure that right about like performance under pressure and stuff like that. I'll just try and think anecdotally who I. Who do you trust the most to close when they're in contention of the current players? Probably JT. Yeah. JT's kind of a killer. Yeah. I was going to say Morikawa. Morikawa is good. Yeah. I'm cool with either. Um, well, we don't have JT yet, so we'll go clutch gene JT. Okay. I like that. I like kind that a lot. Fire the, yeah. We also get bones on the bag. With that, with that, <laughs> we're rocking and rolling. Uh, all right, Andy, uh, always a blast. I think that'll do it for our uh, our Friday scramble. Yeah, man, absolutely. I'm excited for the weekend. Safe travels for you this afternoon heading over to California. And we will be back on. T Are we going to do like a bracket thing on Tuesday? Should we do like a bracket show or something like that? Yeah, we're going to get creative. Yeah. So we've got another quick turnaround, but the, the match play and the bracket and all the possible scenarios are, that's like my favorite. It's my favorite week of the year. But yeah. What, we're, we'll do something. What, what do you think is prize picks going to do some stuff for us? They'll, they'll figure it out. Yeah. I wonder if it'll be like holes one or, um, I guess they could do a lot of different stuff. I'd have to think about that. Yeah. Matches one, but that wouldn't, that would be over multiple rounds. I guess they could do holes one. Total points in the group stage, they could probably do, right? Yeah. Because remember, it's like World Cup style. Right. They, everybody plays three and then they yeah. move on. Round robin. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, prize picks. The coach you're looking for, Rick. And there is the link in the description. Sign up and join us on this quest to eventually bankrupt them. Uh, but for now, let me thank producer Mina doing all the hard work behind the scenes. That's Andy Lack. You can find on Twitter at ADP Lack Sports. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been your Friday Scramble. And we'll catch you next time.